Boston throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. back to another episode of coast to coast today across the nba we can finally talk about the playoffs you can talk about the playing tournament the table is set the pieces are moving running you ready to jump into it oh yeah very very excited very very eager we as part of the uh, the media we got our dream in uh, in the western conference we got that playing game that we wanted we got curry versus lebron oh, yeah. and now we now we can get excited about it because it's it's here it's we found it we got it <laughs> Listen, I was, you know, that May 7th game against Portland, huge game that uh, that the Lakers did not win. Um, Portland, um, obviously a huge, huge win for them to stay out of the play-in. And, you know, the way I'm looking at this now, and I want to start here because this is an interesting perspective. Um, we talk about tanking mostly in terms of getting better lottery odds, but almost a tank win here for the Lakers to avoid the possibility of facing the Clippers in their playoff uh, in their playoff run here, if they can win this game against the Warriors and play Phoenix first, which honestly seems like a pretty nice stroll. I mean, no disrespect to the, to the Phoenix Suns and everything they've done this season, but for a fully healthy Lakers squad, if, if this is the competition they're going to face to get to the Clippers, um, I mean, this could have gone a lot worse for them. Yeah, it's it's certainly certainly not the 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 end of the world for them. I mean, obviously, we still are kind of having that slight doubt in our head that LeBron and AD aren't aren't quite a hundred percent. But there's those little little things in the back of your head that you're just kind of thinking, of course they're a hundred percent. These guys are ready to just kick off. The playoffs are starting. Things matter again now. They're ready to get going and kick off as soon as as soon as that ball is thrown up uh, on on Wednesday against the Warriors. So <laughs> did you see uh, LeBron uh, twist his ankle? I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm just curious. Curious if you saw that. I, I did see that, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I saw it. And it just seemed like wildly convenient that he just happened to, I don't know, twist his ankle right after the Blazers had beat the Nuggets. It, it's just, it was just a really weird coincidence. Definitely yeah, a coincidence, right? Yeah. Strange, so. strange how these things happen, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to be one of these crazies on Twitter, like calling him soft and saying that was fake. But I don't know. It was, it was really great timing for uh, LeBron just to get a little bit more rest before um, playing against who he's crowned the MVP this season. I, I don't want to talk about that this episode too much, but I mean, Steph Curry um, has already cemented himself as this year's scoring champion. Um, 
people are calling him a, a walking eight seed, which is, which is of course all the Rockets fans out there who who are are doubting the greatness of Curry and how far he's dragged this tremendously terrible team. But what's the chances that you know Curry can drag this team to yet another win against the Lakers? Is that even within the realm of our of possibility here? Of course, it's possible because on any given night. You, Steph Curry can destroy any team in the NBA. That's just a fact. Look at look what he did last night. He put up put that 40, 46 points. He was he was so hyped. He was unbelievable. And that and like the fact that that isn't even his peak. Like he can go higher than that. Like if we watch we're watching this game Wednesday and Steph Curry goes off for I don't know fifty plus points, it would not be a shock. It would be just like. This is how good this guy is. This is how legit of a scorer this guy is. He's on in a one-off game at this very moment. You probably are backing Curry as the one guy you would not want to go up against. That, that's that's the way that I'm looking at. I'm seeing a lot of that talk kind of today. It's kind of like who would you rather have in a one-off game? Would you rather be on LeBron's team? Would you rather be on Curry's team? But we got to remember that this isn't LeBron, just LeBron's team. This is LeBron and Anthony Davis versus Steph Curry. I mean, this is a duo. And for me, I don't know why I'm just kind of picturing, I'm thinking AD is getting set to just go off in the, in these playoffs. And uh, I think it's going to begin with the, with the playing game. But I mean, Steph Curry this year, let's just lay it out there. 32 points, five and a half rebounds, six assists, nearly added another 50, 40, 90 year. I think he's already had two in his career. Shot 48% from the field, 42% from three, uh, 92 from the free throw line. And the craziest thing is he actually averaged just a, just a little bit higher in terms of threes per game than he did twos. It, it's insane. His, his shot died is insane. Steph, uh, Steve Kerr finally just unleashed him, allowed him to to be that player that we were all clamoring for him to, to be this season. And, you know, I I met, I wonder, you know, this is more maybe a more future conversation, but I wonder, given their success with, um, their relative success, given the team around him with Curry playing the way he's playing, if if this is an indication that you know in the future when Clay is healthy, depending on what their team looks like, if if this is something that we can expect Curry to implement more in the future, um, but for right now, I mean, it's the only thing they can rely on to hope to beat the Lakers. You know, if, if Anthony Davis is playing small ball five, I think that's, you know, that's the only recipe that the Lakers need to lean in on is if Davis is playing the five, that's really going to break the Golden State small ball formula. And I don't think that they have enough firepower to stop that. But then, you know, I go back and forth in my mind because when I look at the, the Lakers backcourt, you know, I don't have a ton of confidence that any amount of defensive scheming is going to be able to stop Curry. You know, and, and if you're and if you're going to if you're going to bet, like you said, I, I don't know who I'm betting on. Am I betting on on Curry going off or am I betting on the steady down low presence of both LeBron and AD against a team that's just consistently failed to stop anybody in the paint? Um, I, I mean, I, I think I give this to, to the Lakers pretty handily, but who knows what Curry is capable of once he crosses half court? It's. It's the same same story these days now for Portland, um, who they're they're facing a, a familiar face there in Denver. Uh, but man, this this Western Conference matchup 
is, is looking crazy. Let, let's let's go over to the other playing game here. The San Antonio Spurs, they survived, man. They were all projected to be the team that fell out of the playoffs. Their strength of schedule was among the hardest in the league. And they held on. Same thing with the with the Grizzlies. They they fought off a hungry Kings team, uh, beating them both times that they saw in the last four games to stay in the play-in tournament. And yeah, I, I have a lot of faith, honestly, in, in this uh, Memphis team. But the, the Spurs are no joke. Greg Popovich knows how to win key games like this. I want I want to know what you're thinking about this matchup. Yeah, that's kind of the big. That's kind of the, the, my big thing. Like I'm just just looking at it on paper. I'm thinking this would be a really disappointing defeat for Memphis. But then when you think about San Antonio, you think about Greg Popovich, and you're just thinking it's a one-off game. Pop can still be able to set up that team to just be able to win this specific game. He's just such a good coach that that's why you're given. That's why I'd be giving the Spurs a chance. I mean, over they finished the season two and eight. The only reason probably that they're in the in the the the, the ten seed is because Zion went down because the the Kings had their troubles as well. I mean, they are not on a good run of form, and the Grizzlies won five more games than them. Uh, this season so you like you'd think that there's that little that that pretty decent gap but then you just look at kind of the the head-to-head i think uh, the grizzlies edged out the, the three games they played the regular season two to one so not, not ma- no major windfalls either way really there but then in terms of just the players you got even if we just break it down as similarly they're two lead guys you look at the rosen 22 points four boards seven assists had an effective field goal percentage of 50 then you look at Ja, 19, 4, and 7. Effective field goal percentage, 49. These two, these are the leaders of these two teams. And if these two guys are going head-to-head, and that's what it comes down to, it's going to be a really close and interesting game. I think this is actually, you know, the, the Lakers and the, the Warriors, it's going, to be, it's going to be a, you know, whoever is going to score the most points. I think that the way that they're matched up, it's going to be about putting points on the board. Memphis and San Antonio – these two teams, and let, let's not forget where where uh, Coach Jenkins is coming from. He's a Popovich uh, protege himself, so he's facing his mentor there, and you you got that connection, and you see it in how these two teams uh, play hard nosed defense, and they play unselfishly on both sides of the ball. And what's going to be interesting for me is is how Memphis, if they're going to really lean in on their depth, or if they're going to let Jaw take over a game. He hasn't really taken over a game the, the way that you've wanted him to this season. And maybe that's not what, what the formula is for them winning at this point in time. But, you know, when it comes to these moments, I mean, Jaw is bred for these moments. You've seen him step up in big moments. I'm really looking for him to step up and have a game like that. You know, he's he's going to have a, a tough task in, in scoring against DeJounte Murray, who's turned into one of the, the more elite defensive guards in this league. I mean, he's always at the top five in, in steals of the past few years. And if he can overcome this situation, I mean, I, I, I'm i not also going to to rule out if Memphis makes it and it's Golden State there, you know, that that's a team that I could see beating the the Warriors as well. I, I think that out of, out of both these teams, I have the biggest hopes for Memphis to, if they get into the play uh, the next round, that they can actually compete at the next level. I mean, 
I'm not going to bet against <laughs> against the Utah Jazz when it comes to the Grizzlies, but I'm really excited with how this team is going to, how that's going to translate to a seven-game series, just in how hard they play and how how much they buy into a game plan. It's, it's going to be interesting for me to see that play out. Yeah, there, there's what, what's the, the, the story with, uh, with Jaron Jackson Jr.? Is he going to be able to play at all here or – I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to prioritize his health. Uh, this is, this is a long, long-term thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, regardless of that, I mean, then this has been the most impressive thing for me all season long. If Jaron Jackson is not there and he, he's not contributing heavy minutes, they've demonstrated that even without him, they compete, they can compete. Yeah. They can still space the floor. They still have guys who are willing to crash the boards. They still have guys who are willing to defend the paint. Um, you know, if, if Jaron Jackson Jr. is fully healthy, you know, that that gives it them just much that much more of an edge uh, on any team that they're going to end up facing. Yeah, definitely. I just think this is this is, this is kind of an opportunity for 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 Morant to just remind the world what a talent that he is, even if it's just going off here against the Spurs and then maybe they go down uh, to the Lakers or the Warriors or they go down in the first round, this is just kind of a chance for him to just, not that he's he's going to fade away if he doesn't do it this year, but I mean, this could be a chance for him to just remind everyone what a supremely talented player he is and that he is capable of, of leading a team when it matters most. You want to shift over to the Eastern Conference here? I, I, I think this is a quicker conversation in terms of these, these playing guys. Um, I, I hate to say it, but you know, Indiana seems I mean seems done now that they're not gonna have Miles Turner. That's a huge, huge loss for them. Charlotte, they've been surging since they've got LaMelo back. They've constantly been looking like a, a very cohesive team. Um, you know, in many ways offensively similar to um to Memphis as well, the way I see them. The really interesting part here for me is again, same old story in Boston. Boston is finding themselves at the pinnacle of a disappointing season. Jalen Brown tragically is not going to be around for them to, you know, pull them out of these games. You know, when I see any of these matchups, as long as you have Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum on the floor together, there's a chance. But now without Brown around there, I don't know if they are going to beat Washington at the height that they've been playing recently. If Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, continue to play at the level that they are and their supporting cast are continuing to play, you know, even mediocre. I mean, these guys are going nuclear. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. It's, it's a real weird one. Obviously you have to assume last night when they just decided that uh, all their starters were injured. I think that was just, we're in seventh place when win or lose, we're in seventh place. So we're not going to bother with risking any of our, our guys for this game against against New York, but they finished on a run of four and six. It's been a real disappointing season for Boston. They are, they're not playing with a lot of confidence. And the Wizards are have been on a roll, and Russ is just playing out of this world. Something that may help, maybe nothing. Beal saying that it was a mistake for him to have played last night, saying he doesn't think he's going to be at 100% for... For this Boston game, I guess we'll see when we see him on the court. But the way Russ has been playing, I mean, just to drop a bit of respect on his name, he finished the season averaging 22 points, 11 and a half boards, 
nearly yeah, just under 12 assists. It was the fourth season that he's averaged a triple-double. And this was Insane. the year we thought his whole career was going to die after that <laughs> kind of kind of so-so. He still had a good year in Houston, but it was kind of a so-so year in Houston. We thought he was coming to Washington to let his career die. And instead, he's embraced it, formed this partnership with Beal, and he has just been awesome. And, and here's a, a really fun part about this. If Washington wins this and they're facing Brooklyn, I mean, that what a gift that is, right? So to make it into the playoffs <laughs> and the first thing you're facing is Brooklyn. But uh, what, what a reunion for Russ to be seeing Kevin Durant and James Harden out there in, in New York. It, that's that's going to be a really, really fun matchup if that ends up being a seven-game series of, of Russ against his former teammates. And I don't, I don't know if if that's if that's even going beyond four games, but just to see them on the court together, competing against each other, it is such a cool thing to see, especially after the after the wild way the Thunder had just broken up and their stars have now just ended up across the league, and that that for me is going to be a really fun sight to see. Yeah, definitely, that would be that would be very cool, and I think that I think the Wizards deserve it. Obviously, like. The, the Celtics have got a better record. They finished, they finished above them. But the way the Wizards have been playing, the way they've been fighting, everything that, that, that Russ has done, I think that would, would be – I think they definitely deserve to, to, to go in. But, I mean, yeah, at the same time, Jason Tatum is still capable of, of leading this Boston team to a victory against the Wizards. A Wizards. And it's going to be big, though. Cam, Campbell Walker's got to step up. This is his kind of time to, to show he's still kind of any sort of player. There's no Jalen Brown. I mean, they're not going to be relying on Jabari Parker too much. So uh, I think Kemba, <laughs> I think Kemba, Kemba, I think Kemba's gonna gonna have to step up. But yeah, I think what you, what you said there, Russ going up against against the Nets, that that will be really cool. I think I saw, I think Stephen A. said today, it's been disappointing that we haven't got to see Russ challenge for more championships throughout his career. That has mm-hmm. been a shame. It would have been cool. The type of player he is, the type of competitor he is, but. That that would be that would be a really cool matchup to see the Wizards going up against Brooklyn. Yeah, and while we're talking about on the court stuff with Boston and Washington, I think you know the biggest impact for me is the fact that Robert Williams is going to be out. That, that's that was the biggest news. Um, he's had this turf toe injury, and you know, it, it said he was done for the regular season, but you know, given given that he's still been sidelined, I it I, it seems unlikely that he's going to play, and if he's playing, that he's going to be healthy. So it's Tristan Thompson. Is that what it's going to take to stop Washington from getting inside? It's going to stop Beal, stop Russ from getting to the rim. I just don't – I don't think that Boston has the inside presence right now to stop either of these guards. And who knows if if Marcus Smart can pull out some magic, Kemba can pull out some magic, maybe that's the way to go. So, I mean, this is going to be a close game, and it reminds me of not just a few seasons ago when it was John Wall and it was Bradley Beal, it was Isaiah Thomas – and they had that bad blood going between Boston and Washington. And maybe we get to see a little bit of that uh, revived here in the playing tournament. Yeah, you hope so. You want to, you want to see that, that, that sort of uh, that sort of passion. And I think at the end of the day, it, it, these guys, they finish where they are because they are not the, the greatest teams in the world, but they have elite individuals and it's going to come down to which, which of them can really, can really step up and take over here. Would you would you bet on Charlotte over Boston? No, I don't. I don't no. think so. 
If if Hayward was playing, Gordon Hayward revenge game. If if Hayward is Hayward, Hayward's out, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. If he was there, I'd be kind of, I'd be fairly confident that they would be capable of doing a job, especially with no Jalen Brown. But I think if it was Charlotte going up against Boston, I think, I think, uh, I think the the Celtics would have enough. But then they would be, uh, they'd be dumped out in the first round. So then, then you know, I agree with you. I, I think that's pretty, pretty easy to see that. That I think this is going to go with Washington going against Brooklyn. Boston's going to end up facing Charlotte. Pretty. I don't think it's going to be an easy game because I I think that team is very spunky. They're very competitive, and the way that they move the ball, I, I think if they're playing as a team and Boston goes into one of these slumps, that they can easily um, erase leads. I mean, they're in when it comes to the fourth quarter. I, I don't have the stats on this, but I mean, when you watch Charlotte. I mean, they are always, always, always pushing to get back in games. They are always pushing every single game to get back in it. Like, they don't get put away. That's that's one of those teams that never gets put away. You know, the, I, I'm not going to count on it, but it, it could happen. But if, if the Boston Celtics end up getting in at the eighth seed, they're going to face their good old friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers, who Boston just had a field day every single season talking down on this team. And man, have the tables, how the turntables this year. <laughs> Philadelphia looks like an entirely different team. We've talked about it all season. And that would just be the, the last farewell for the Boston Celtics in this season to be facing a team that's turned their entire franchise around after last year. And not just the 76ers, so many teams in these, uh, in both the East and West at the top. I mean, look at where they were last year and the year before. It's so um, impressive to see how these teams have have really worked steadily and made big changes, ballsy changes, coaching changes, big player changes to get where they are today. 76 is amongst them. You know, this is a team that last season, season before you're questioning, right, is this a team that maybe they might break it up next year? They're not going to be together. Maybe then they're going to even be falling out of contention again. But they have solidified themselves there. Embiid, MVP candidate, defensive player of the year candidate, Simmons there right there, as well as a defensive player of the year candidate. They are going to be a scary team to face, not just for the Celtics, but for every team in the East. Yeah, I think uh, you say that. I, I, I would Right now, I would love to just know that the 76ers are, are kind of praying that the Celtics get that, oh. get that eight seed just so they can humiliate them. I think... <laughs> That's the kind of killer instinct you want that Philadelphia team to have. They should know, they should feel that pain that's been delivered to them and they should know they want to shove it right down that Boston throat. Yeah. You know, you know what I, I keep saying, this is a take that really confuses me. Um, a lot of teams, a lot of uh, media are talking about how the, the biggest concern for the 76ers is um, that they don't have a very high pace and that they rely a little bit on, on streaking shooting. So not the best, uh, they're not the most impressive offensive team, but their defense, especially in a, in a playoff scenario where you have the time to game for every situation, you know the opponent you're facing and you face them night in, night out in a seven-game series. I mean, especially when you got a team like the Celtics who they, they don't have their, their second main star there. Jason Tatum is just going to get absolutely destroyed by a combination of Ben Simmons Matisse Thibel, Danny Green, and then Joel Embiid in the paint, Dwight Howard in the paint. Like that, that is going to be an absolute nightmare for him to deal with. And like, th- this is, 
this is going to be, I think, the, the most uh, diverse squad of defensive talent that's going to be out there in the playoffs. And I think any team they face, it's going to be a really, really hard task to be scoring against them when the game really slows down. Yeah, I think that's that's the big thing with uh, with Philly. Obviously, you've seen it in stretches so far this season, especially kind of when they've played teams that are kind of in the top top three, top four of each conference. You've seen how good their defense is, but now when you get into the playoffs, this is where you really see what sort of level they're at and how hard it is to to score big points and just score in general against uh, against this talented defensive team and the fact that they don't just have it in their starting five. They've got guys that come off the bench and are capable of making big defensive plays as well. So it's kind of an all an all round deal that you're you're dealing with real tough defense when you're going up against the 76ers. I want to talk about your guys. The New York Knicks, the first time you guys have clinched a playoff spot in the top four since what 2013. Three? 13? No, it's the first time, but the first time in the in the top four. Yeah, we were we were I'm pretty sure we were we had a record of 54, 28, 2013. So that was the top. Sure okay. That was top I, was, four. I wasn't sure how far back that went for a top four seed. But regardless, you are facing the Atlanta Hawks here. Julius Randles has had some insane games against Hawks. But on the other side of the coin, Trey Young has also gone off against you guys. It's been a shootout between both teams. Neither one has you know shown that they've been dominant over the other. Uh, I think a little bit of of injury asterisk should be added with DeAndre Hunter being out for the Hawks. He's starting to come back. You know, he, he's not at his full strength yet, but he's a huge part of why, you know, you, we were hopeful for the Atlanta Hawks early on. Um, does his return scare you a little bit in terms of how you're going to attack this uh, this Atlanta defense? Uh, I don't think it scares me that uh, too much. I think that... The, the main thing is these are both really inexperienced teams when it comes to playoff basketball. Yeah. And it, I guess it could very easily come down to which guys are capable of handling the pressure of the best. So that, 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 that's what it could come down to in the end. I mean, it's kind of weird to see. Usually it's kind of one team that are experienced playoff campaigners against, against another team that are, are full of young guys that haven't had the experience. But this is kind of a a fresh situation where it's two teams where the stars, especially like look at Randall, this is going to be his first playoff series. Trey Young, this is going to be his first playoff series. This is going to be a real interesting game. And like you said, the way Randall's been able to go off against Atlanta recently, the way Trey's gone off against the Knicks, this could be a really fun series. Yeah. How do you game for Trey Young with with the personnel you got? Because, I mean, D. Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, um, I mean, your your main point guards there. I, I think you know Alfred Payton would actually be a more sensible, you know, defensive assignment playing against Trey Young. Do, do you do you play him more minutes over a guy like Quickly, who I don't know if you want to rely on a rookie who's a microwave scorer for sure in a series where you really need to to lock down their main player. Yeah, I think I think we might see uh, see Frank Nilakina gets us get a few more minutes. To be honest, I think he we yeah. Tibbs has looked to him uh, down the stretching games uh, over over the last the last few weeks after he was completely gone off the boil. But uh, so I think we probably will see him for for stretches uh, in this series because if you're able to shut down Trey Young 
I think this that that's the obviously the key for for New York getting the win here. But all, all, all I will say is that the fact that a couple of months ago you told me you just told me the Knicks were going to make the playoffs, I was probably <laughs> thinking you're crazy. And now we're there in a position where I actually think I'll be disappointed if they don't reach the second round. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's been a great year <laughs> <laughs> you're playing with house money here but i, I think that honestly the, the real goal here is i i want to see the the knicks win the series and and i'm i'm looking at how but when i look on on the court and on a seven game series I, i'm a little concerned about one thing and it's clink capella um i i've loved how randall has been able to get to his spots and, and score from wherever um i am a little bit worried though like the, the lack of um, stretch bigs, the, la- the lack of the ability of any of your bigs to shoot the three, to pull Capella away from the paint. Um, it's a simple thing, but it, it's something that, you know, for your, for your, um, your guards to be able to get inside, for D-Rose to be able to cook inside, for Randall to get to his spots inside, for Barrett especially, you want to get him started getting inside. That, that's going to be a tough thing. Capella has shown that, again, when he's healthy, he is one of the league's best rim protectors and defensive rebounders. Um, and that's a huge thing for New York to consider. I'm not sure that, you know, a Nerland's Noel, Clint Capella battle is, is what you want to be betting the, the series on, but it's, it's going to be tough to, to score inside if he's just able to roam the paint the whole time. Yeah. I think that obviously that's, that's one reason why I'm glad uh, coach Tibbs is there. Uh, has got has got the job as head coach. I think he he he's the kind of guy that that will be able to plan for that sort of situation, and maybe I don't know. If there's been stretches of games uh, in, in to, to close out the season where the Knicks were going on pretty decent runs shooting the three ball. I mean, guys like Bullock were stepping up quickly. He's obviously capable of going off. Barrett's been stepping up. So maybe they're just going to have to look to try and ride some waves like that as well with the, with the three point shooting, obviously they're nowhere near any sort of elite three point shooting team, but they are capable of getting hot from there. And that could be another key to kind of negate the, the, the impact of, of, uh, of Capella. But I guess that's kind of, that's a, that's an interesting point. I think we'll have to just wait and see what sort of plan the Knicks have to, to try and, Get past, get past big Clint inside. Yeah, man. Just to think about if we thought last year, or the year before, Atlanta and the Knicks would be an interesting matchup. I, I think this is going to be one of the the better chess matches um, between, like you said, two young, inexperienced teams who have really outplayed themselves this year, and that that's an exciting matchup. And one of the other ones in the East, you know, the the one and eight, pretty simple. Seven and two, pretty simple. Milwaukee and Miami meeting back up in the playoffs is the matchup everybody wanted. And I don't think anybody has an obvious answer. I think earlier on the season, you think, oh, Miami's going to gonna smack them again in the playoffs. But, you know, they had a slow start. A lot of it had to do with COVID. A lot of it had to do with Jimmy Butler's injury. But, you know, after March 26th, Miami's gone 18 and 8. They are the best interior defense in the league. And, you know, they, they're not as, as good from the three as they were from last year, but they've shown, you know, they've in moments been able to get their shooters hot. And do you think that Milwaukee has enough after the 
offseason they had after, you know, they've been really touting themselves for the different looks that they've been putting on the court, trying out different things. You know, they're more into switching. They're more into having a, a big in the dunker spot. They've been doing a lot of, of things that they haven't done before, trying to prepare for the playoffs. Did they do enough? Are they going to be able to get past the Miami Heat? Or is this just going to be another uh, round of deja vu? I mean, I, I think they, they still have enough. I mean, you're not going to say last year, obviously, the way it panned out, it was like Miami were such a superior team to Milwaukee. But it's kind of the basic, it's the same teams, really, for the most part, go, going at, going head to head. And I guess this is just another chance. Do not, do not disrespect Drew Holiday like that. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. That, that's <laughs> Drew Holiday is a major, major, major upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. And if you look at his previous resume in the playoffs, I think I'm going to expect a whole lot more out of Drew Holiday than I ever would of, of Eric Bledsoe. I, I mean, if you're, if you're going to talk differences, I'll at least I'll at least give the Bucks on um, the addition of Drew Holiday. Okay, yeah, now that, that that's fair, but this is for me. I'm looking at it. This is a this is a chance for for Giannis to really to show that he is that kind of cold, dead eye player that he should have had this Miami chip on his shoulder since last year, and he should mm-hmm. be relishing this matchup and going out there and doing just being him, being himself, going out there and just dominating and making it. A case where there's no way that this Miami team is beating them this year. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm afraid of though, because I mean that's that's the previous formula. It's 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 Giannis go destroy everybody, and then everyone like you know get in the right places so that you can you can get the ball. I mean that that clearly didn't work against them last year, and that that's what um, that's what Coach Bud has leaned in on and has tried to get away from here. Um, I think that it, it's going to be tough if if that's going to be the solution. Because I, I think Miami has a pretty easy answer on the other end because, you know, they showed it in spurts last year when Bam was was taking it from uh, from the high post going against slower bigs. I mean, Adebayo, he's got another level in him that he's shown this year that when you give him the ball and you let him score on bigger guys, I mean, he can do it. And that's going to be a huge problem for Brooke Lopez, who's definitely lost a step defensively, definitely lost a step offensively too. And if he's going to be the weak link, especially against Adebayo, they're like they're going to need to to figure out who's who's going to be playing there instead. I mean, I I think the Bucks. Hopefully that this is going to be all on Bud if he can figure out are they going to play small ball, put Giannis at the five, take Brooke out of the game because I I don't think they're going to survive with him on on Bam. I would be yeah I I would have to think that their their plan is to have Giannis Giannis on Bam. I mean I know they like to have Giannis. Not, not obviously not free. He's obviously going to be guarding someone, but they like to have him being being always available to 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 provide that that sort of help help defense. But you just hope that with the addition of Drew Holiday, he's another good a good defensive player that they can be a little bit more confident uh, having having Giannis in at the five. Especially he should see that. Like I mean, it's been, it's not really it's not really been a slow decline. It's been a fairly kind of dramatic fall off a cliff for Brook Lopez almost this season. I mean, it's been very clear that yeah. he has, he has taken a step back. So I think it, 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 if they don't have a better plan after what happened last year, I think uh, this is, a, this could be the end for coach board. I think, I think it is the end if they, 
I mean, if they if they don't do a minimum probably of, of the conference finals this year, I think he could be the end for Coach Bud. Yeah, I <laughs> that's a pretty tough ask if if you're saying get to the finals or bust, given given the uh, yeah. given the teams you got up there. But that that has to be the, the minimum ask, and you have the pieces for it. You have Drew Holiday. I think Eric Bledsoe's a fine player, but in the playoffs, he's just shown time and time again he's not there. Chris Middleton has showed that you know if you if you give him the opportunities, he's going to be a go-to scorer and in many moments. And I, I think the answer is is those two guys right there. Giannis, I, I expect him to do what he does, but you know, I hope they use his gravity in more meaningful ways in a series against the Heat, who, you know, if you shut down Giannis and that's it, and then what you just you let Eric Bledsoe cower by the uh by the top of the key and let him shoot everything. I mean, that, that was such a simple formula to be to be beating them last year. But you can't do that with Drew Holiday. You can't do that with the level that Chris Middleton has been playing at. And I think that, you know, I'm a big Jimmy Butler guy. I, I, I think that if you can shut down Jimmy Butler, if you can prevent him from being a playmaker, then that's going to be a huge, huge way that they can stop this team. And Drew, they got Drew Holiday for a reason. They give up two first-round picks for him. I mean, he's you've got to ask – Drew Holiday to stop Jimmy Butler. If, if if that's the only way that you can do it, then I think you have a chance. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of that's just what it's going to come down to, really. I think uh, almost who can who can kind of step up more on on the defensive end, really. Who has who has the better better plan? Again, you're going up against Spolcher, another great coach experience in the playoffs, and. The, the same thing that I said said last week about the Miami Heat, I always just know that when the pressure is on, when the stakes are high, the players, the whole team, they always step up. They always play that little bit harder, that little bit higher. And it's going to be really tough for for the Bucs to, to get their revenge in, in this series. Yeah. Well, let's shift over to the, to the West here. To the three and the six seed is also very interesting. Denver just got handed a smacking by Portland. And Portland shows that they can, at any given night, be the hottest team in the league. Where are you feeling with this? Jokic against Lillard. I don't know where to go with it, to be honest. I, I want I want to believe in the MVP. I, I think hands down, you know, the debate's over. Jokic has, has constantly been the most impactful player in every sense of the word, both in impact metrics and raw stats and games played, everything. But Portland has, has shown another level here, especially with the addition of, of Norman Powell, um, that I, I'm not sure that Denver's, Denver's defense can handle but it's, it's going to be really just an absolute flamethrower between both these teams because you, you know that Portland's going to give up, if, if Jokic wants to, 35, 40 points a night from him in a seven-game series. Or yeah. where, do you, where do you put this? I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it's going to be another fun series, really. And it's one, again, where obviously Jokic has had an unbelievable year. He's carried this team to unbelievable heights. Obviously, first with Murray's early season struggles, then obviously Murray's gone down injured. This team has continued to win, and Jokic has been at the heart of that. He's always keeps saying he'd rather have the ring than the MVP. Go out there and prove it. That's what I'm saying, and I'm looking at Jokic. I'm saying go out there 
and show it. You want to be the best player in the league. You got to do it in the postseason and you got to do it against other great players like Damian Lillard, like CJ McCollum. It's going to be tough for them without Murray. But if Jokic is this superstar that we all believe he is and that he has been this year, he's got to be able to do it in the postseason and he's got to be able to take down this Blazers team. So what's interesting to me is the answer to this for the Blazers, at least, is one guy and one guy only. It's not Damian Lillard. You know Damian Lillard is going to do his thing. It's not CJ McCollum. You have faith in him. He's going to score on on uh, what has been a pretty mediocre uh, collection of, of backcourt defenders for the Denver Nuggets. It's all on Nurkic. Mm-hmm. Nurkic, who's facing Jokic, the guy who got him booted out of Denver in the first place. Mm-hmm the guy who was chosen over him as a franchise center. Um, If you pick a collection of big men in this league who have the physical ability to stop a guy like Jokic, it's a very short list. And Nekic is absolutely on it. You know, if, if this game, if this series is going to come down to stopping each team's best player, there's only one way to do it. And Nurkic is going to be that guy. Cause you all know you can't double Jokic. That's the last thing you can do. Cause he's the, he's the best playmaker in the league. He's better than LeBron. He's better. Oh yeah, I'll hundred percent. I'll we'll take that debate later on this week. But I I don't think there's a better playmaker right now in this game than Nikola Jokic. And you have it's just impossible for anyone to physically play one-on-one defense with him. But Nurkic is one of those physically stout guys who can move his feet, who can play good defense inside, and and if you can negate even just a fraction of what Jokic can do. Maybe that's the only answer for how Portland can stop him. Yeah, yeah. I think that is that is going to be an interesting battle, to, to, to say the least. I mean, obviously, the way we're looking at it now, um, obviously, when we heard the news about Murray, we knew that was going to be a huge blow. Murray was the key, really, last year. Not that Jokic wasn't great as well in their run to the Western Conference, but Murray was playing literally out of this world. And you guess now that Murray's gone down with the injury, what's MPJ going to be able to do? Are we going to really see the impact of Aaron Gordon in, in this series? It's just, that's just that, that little bit of a question mark that's over the Denver team. And I guess maybe as well with Portland, you're kind of like, does Dame still have it? Obviously, we all remember that their run to the Western Conference Finals, the, the Dame shot over over Paul George. He's shown it time and time again when the stakes are against him in the playoffs, he's capable of stepping up and making the big plays and having those huge nights. Can he still do it? I mean, let's see. I mean, this is going to be a really cool series. How the team's set up, how Portland tries to stop Jokic, how the likes of MPJ can perform and what sort of level are the, the, the backcourt of McCollum and Lillard going to be at? It's, go, it's just, it's going to be a really cool one. In, in both, in both uh, first rounders, I think the, the three and six game could go either way in, in both the West and the East. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a hot take. And I mean, I, <laughs> and I, and I don't, I, I want this to be deleted if I'm wrong, because I, this is really hot, but you know, I'm still going back to it and Nurkic for me, you know, the even though it's not the best answer, Portland has a answer. They have a, they have a an okay answer 
for what their primary issue is going to be. Dude, nobody has an answer in Denver for Damian Lillard, for CJ McCollum, for Norman Powell. They just don't. I mean, I mean, what will Will Barton if if he happens to be healthy? I mean, that, that's going to be a key part to to stopping these guys. But I mean, him alone, you, you're not. Fasuno Campazzo has been one of the most fun defenders to play. I mean, he really gets in on people. He really plays um, with with spirit and heart. But I mean, he's not the guy to stop Damian Lillard. To stop CJ McCollum. Monte Morris is not that guy. And then they throw Marcus Howard out there. B.J. Dozier, maybe, maybe. I, I mean, maybe Austin Rivers gets gets a shot at it, but the guards of the Blazers are it's going to be hot knife through butter, and if Jokic has any trouble facing up against uh, Nurkic at all, which I mean, you know, I, I don't think he'll have it for most of the game, but even if you can stop him for a quarter of a game. I mean, that's all it's going to take. I mean, because there's going to be a constant onslaught. And this is the, I think, the true added value of, of having Norman Powell. I think initially it's like, okay, well, why why'd you get another um, another score first kind of guard? I mean, at every single quarter, at every minute of the game, the Blazers are going to be able to turn up the tempo with their scoring. And that's not something that, you know, the Denver Nuggets might have if Michael Porter Jr., you know, he's been absolutely amazing. But I mean, he also just went three for eight against uh, the Blazers. He's not, he's not at the point yet where you rely on him to be scoring 20 a night. You hope that he scores 20 a night because he's been so good and he can go off for as many buckets as you can give him. But I think in a playoff series where it comes down to matchups, I think Portland actually might have an edge here, given that they have a, albeit okay answer for what is the MVP in this league. Yeah, I think uh, that's a that's a real real interesting point, and I and I uh, I like how you're committing to it. You're not you're not you're not flaking on it. <laughs> I, I I like that. I think another interesting point on it is I, I'm kind of interested to see, not that it's going to really be crucial probably, but I'm interested to see what sort of minutes uh, Melo gets in the, in this series. Obviously, he's he's been a solid scorer off the bench for for Portland, but I'll, I'll be interested to see if they kind of just mainly look to their starting five to play the, those those extra minutes in this series rather than rather than give uh, give Melo the kind of the minutes that he's been playing throughout the regular season. Yeah, I mean I I'd actually be really interested to see um them not giving him a chance, but I I, I hope that maybe they they might give uh, Nasir Little a little bit of run. If they if they put him spot minutes defensively, especially against uh, Michael Porter Jr., I think Nasir Little has the physical ability to be staying in front of him. And I, Robert Covington is, I don't I don't really see him as a go to man to man defender. He's been a fantastic off ball defender. We've talked about this ad nauseum. But if you can if you can give me a little bit more Nasir Little, I think it, if Michael Porter Jr. finds himself in a hot streak, that that might be an interesting chess move. And again, there, there's just answers that the the Blazers have at their disposal that I don't think Denver has. Um, and it would be a really really disappointing way to to see it end because the the answer for that, honestly, for me, would be Murray. If they had Jamal Murray, that's just another offensive uh, issue that they'd have to deal with. And a lot of this might coalesce around how good can Aaron Gordon be? Uh, how good can he be? And 
how much can he take the pressure off of Jokic? Because if it's all on Jokic, you know, he's been the MVP this regular season, but in the seven-game series, that might not be enough. So we call on it. Are we both are we both leaning towards Portland at this stage before the series begins? I'm bet I'm essentially betting on Nurkic here, but I <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I think this is a this is a seven game series type matchup. Mm. And I I honestly I'm leaning towards towards Portland. I'm I'm leaning towards Portland because I think defensively they they just do not have an answer for that. They they won't they won't be able to stop that. Um and you know, post it. My prediction right here. <laughs> Damn right. It's Dame time once again. <laughs> what about Dallas? What the, this is a this is a rematch I've been waiting for. And now they have uh they have Porzingis. So this is the this is going to be um a true test to to see if the Clippers have improved because I think my take last year is you know if Dallas had had Porzingis, that was a series they easily could have won. Yeah, I mean let's let's see how this Dallas team have learned from last year. I mean another big thing was their their lack of discipline. They got real riled up by by some of the guys like the the likes of uh, of of Maris and Beverly really were able to wound up. Uh, the likes of Doncic, the likes of Porzingis, and it had a big impact. Obviously. They still, they still, what they, they went, went to six games that there last year, wasn't it? So yep. I mean, let's see, let's see, yeah, let's just see if this is a better Clippers team, and let's see what sort of impact Rondo is going to have. I think he, 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 we're going to see the reason that uh, that LA made that move to get Rondo in. We will really see that in the playoffs, and we'll also see has. Has Luka Doncic taken taken another step towards what we both I think believe is future greatness in uh, and we will see in the, in this series? But it's a matchup I think everyone wanted to to see again. Uh, in terms of the way it went down last year, we kind of we put it on kind of the naivety of of Dallas and the fact that they were still such a young team. They've had that experience. How have they learned from it? We get to see. And last time they met in March 17th, Luke went out for 42 points, nine assists, six rebounds, and Mavericks as a whole, they held him to 90, 90 points, 89 points. And this is another series where I, I think it's going to get a little bit chippy. And I can't wait to see that get chippy. And I do have a question. I can't remember now. I, I'm pretty sure that the uh, technicals, that bleeds into the, the postseason. So Luca is still one uh technical foul away from a one game suspension and that's that's everything right there that's everything right there i mean i i I was almost thinking like you know maybe he should just get himself ejected just just for good measure so he can reset the clock i think then he'd have to i don't know if you go down to like you have three more technicals before you then get a suspension again or something like that but it's this is dangerous dangerous territories for a team that completely relies on Doncic to have a hope of winning any of these games. Yeah. And I, I think I'm knowing that, you know, that Patrick Beverly is going to be in his ear, in his face. Oh, that's from, his entire goal from the first. That's second. the only that's thing. Not, he yeah, that's all he has to do yeah. on, on the court. <laughs> let, let, let Beverly literally f- like foul out, get ejected from any game. Like if he can get Doncic one tech, just one, 
And then that, that's it. That's, that's all it took. Yeah. And I think uh, I wrote, I wrote a piece today uh, talking, just kind of giving a little uh, roundup of the, of the regular season. And I, and I had Chris, Chris Asperzingis as one of the big disappointments of, of this year. Obviously, mainly just due to things out of his control, the fact that he was injured for so so much of the season. But he has but even shown, when he's healthy. I, I think I think there's been stretches where he has shown shown a lot of quality. And I guess now is just can he stay healthy? Can he just be on defense? He's got to be a good rim protector. I've seen it in the odd game, but I never really, I've never you never really get to see it consistently where he is. He is uh, consistently good at protecting the rim. Like he's seven foot three, he's got to be able to do it. But his scoring and just the fact that he's going to be on the court is so crucial to the to the Mavs. It gives them that little bit more. Obviously, uh, obviously, Luca's the main piece, but having KP on the floor is huge for them. And you just hope that it's not going to end like last year. He's going to be able to. He's going to be there for for the whole series. He's going to be able to to keep his emotions in check. He's going to be able to have that big impact, and he's going to show why the Mavs kind of laid it out there and brought him in to partner Luca. And Sergi Baca coming back healthy. Yeah, that matchup for Chris Tapps, I don't like. That, that's that's going to be a tough one for me. If so, if we're making any predictions here, if if we're basing any of the Maverick success on, you know, how, how good can Porzingis be? Um, I think that's going to be a really tough matchup for him. You know, Ibaka has proven that he's a very, very good defender, especially against guys like him. And Porzingis just has continuously not demonstrated any, I mean, even willingness, ability aside, willingness to, to be a prolific inside scorer. You know, he just becomes such a one-dimensional player when you just are using him as a, as a stretch big and, and I was hoping to see a little bit more out of him in that regard, but it's clear that there's just not that mentality to be that guy inside and, and to score like that. You know, he's fantastic that the way he can be shooting 35 foot jumpers, way he can attack the basket off of cuts, you know, it's great. But in the playoffs, when things really start to slow down, I, that's going to be a tough thing to see if, if that's, if he's not able to contribute, then you start to really question, you know, where's the long-term fit here. If, if he's not able to fill a serious need an inside outs need that Luca needs him to be, is that really the long-term fit? And for a guy that, you know, a lot of people thought that uh, New York got fleeced there. It, it seems like he's, his stock has really started to fall in this league. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing I would wonder, I, I wonder if the, his the fact that he would always kind of lean towards kind of the 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 shot from from outside. Obviously, not only is he good at it, you wonder if it's kind of a bit of a fear playing on on him as well. The fact that if he's driving at the rim, he's playing inside, he's yeah. kind of more likely to get knocked and get hurt. And unfortunately, if he can't get past that, he's never going to fulfill his potential. That's yeah. that's kind of that's going to be a big key. I mean, what we see, obviously, it's kind of a small gauge if we're, if it if Dallas only lasts this this uh, in the first round, but what we see from Porzingis in this in this series could really be like either a reason to commit to him or a final nail in the coffin to realize that he is not the the pairing that Luca needs. Whew. That's heavy stuff. You're you're always the quiz guy, Ronan. 
So you're always hitting me with these quizzes and I have to really think hard. So I'm going to make you think hard here. Outside of this year, that the Lakers are now going to be the lowest ever uh, defending champion. Lowest seed for defending champion. Who was the last lowest seeded defending champion? Oh. Giving you that you're asking me that while we're talking about Dallas, I'm going to guess at the Mavs, but was it the Mavs? It was in 1995 Houston Rockets. Wow. Where did they? Where did? I'm sure they fucking won it again. Where, where did? Where did they end up finishing? The no, it's oh shit. Now of course I, I ruined the question here. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you get the quiz guy. But this is interesting to me. The the low. It was the lowest seed to win the championship. This year, if the Lakers win it all, they would be the lowest ever. The lowest before that would have been the the Houston Rockets, who were the sixth seed in 1995 when they won the last one. And another thing interesting for me too, I didn't even think about this, that LeBron James in the playoffs, he's never been lower than a fourth seed. We're all, we're all coming full circle. We, we open with the Lakers and, you know, this is, this is really the team that matters. This is the most as much as I hate it. But, you know, we're a little bit worried about their, their injuries and, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I, they're still the nominal favorites. You know, betting betting odds aside, you know the injuries aside, you know when they're when they're healthy, I think they're, they're still the favorites. And like we said earlier on, LeBron's injury, AD's injury, the way that they've slid now into the play-in tournament has just been more of an opportunity for LeBron to make history. Phoenix, for them to be making it all the way to the second seed, I mean, amazing turnaround. Talk about amazing turnarounds for all these top-seeded teams. Phoenix has had amazing teams, CP3 even getting talks of MVP, All-NBA for, for both their guys, hopefully. But that's not a matchup I see them surviving. Absolutely not. And then you move on to the next, Portland or Denver. Definitely not a matchup they're surviving. And if if the Lakers end up coming out of the play-in tournament and just bulldozing through the playoffs like we know that they can, and facing a, a team in the Clippers who, you know, they have their number. I, I think we we feel pretty strongly about that matchup as well. You know, it, it's going to be such an interesting chapter at the twilight of LeBron's career for him to, you know, be overcoming one of the most injury-ridden seasons of his career and is probably one of his team's career and to come out on top yet again. Are, are we just living? Is this just LeBron's world and we're living in it? I mean that yeah, like that like like I hate it. <laughs> yeah, you talk like that, that that whole thing, and like it is so probable. <laughs> when when you listen to all that, you think, no way is that, no way is that the case. But with him and we've seen obviously in some of the stretches uh, after Kyrie left the Cavs, when it's just all on him, obviously he was a few years younger, but when it's all on him, he can still step up. And when his back's against the wall, even in situations like remember that year against the Pacers in the first round, and he just stepped up and went off. And now he's got AD on his side as well. These two guys are healthy. I mean, I, I would 
I would be happy to back them to to make it to the finals in the in the West again, no doubt about it. And I, like I, I said it before, I'm really I, there's something in my head. The way that obviously AD struggled with injuries this year, he struggled with his game in general when he was healthy. But I just think he is set and ready to just go off when the playoffs begin. You know, and everyone asks the question, you know, who could possibly beat the Brooklyn Nets? They are just the most historically good offensive team in the league ever. And the simple answer to that, without any sort of stats nuance or anything like that, in the world of basketball, the only answer to that is LeBron James. And again, it's when when we when we look back at you know some of the seasons where it's like, oh my God, LeBron again. Best team in the league, just going to beat everybody. He's going to get to the finals, then we'll watch and see if he wins or he doesn't. It's just it's Le- LeBron's LeBron's conference. It's LeBron's playoffs, and this is the first year where it's you know re- there's really a, a question, the, the big question: Is he going to make? Is this is this it? Is this not going to be the the season that they made it out to be? And it pisses me off, man, because I know this is perfectly written out for LeBron to just come out on top. And you know, I've I've sucked, I've been sucked into it. And I am excited to watch him really watch a team that honestly should have been on top and been the obvious favorites to, if not win at all, at least be be in the finals, to watch that team be the underdog. <laughs> Cause that's what we get. And we get to enjoy that instead of being salty at LeBron for always being so good. And you know, Lakers, Lakers fans, the the uh, the evil empire, they're they're gonna have a chance to be underdogs. Meanwhile, their their team is, frankly, going to be. I I think the the finals favorites. Once we see everything unfold against the the Suns, once we see things fold unfold against the the Portland Trailblazers, I think it's gonna be quite apparent that you know this is this is all an act. This is all planned out. It's an all elaborate uh, feature for LeBron's future documentaries for him to talk about <laughs> his rolled ankle give me a break yeah no it, it, it is gonna be a cool watch and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to just see what way they come out and how they how they, it's kind of more so on, on the teams that are, have got ahead of them this year and ahead the teams that we kind of look at and think oh if the lakers were healthy you guys never would have been in this position that sort of way the pressure is on them. Let's 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 see how they handle it. One thing I'll say, obviously, you talked to super stacked uh, Brooklyn team. The talk there that Harden was out was it last night, or the night before, or again, just the the hamstring tightness. You wonder there if that was actually legit or they uh, they just said that because they didn't want to didn't want to play him again. Because I mean, the hamstrings, those sort of injuries can be real niggly and they can be tough to come back from, and that could be uh, a crucial blow if they try to push him too hard in the playoffs too early in the playoffs they might they might end up losing them for for uh, a big a big uh, big chunk of them Brooklyn's going to be sleepwalking for the first round yeah. I think they'll have I think we'll see this won't be the last uh, game of rest honestly I, I think um you have any combination of those two out of those three guys especially the way that their team has been coalescing they've been a fun team to watch this hasn't just been the the Harden Kyrie Durant show. They've been a genuinely fun team to watch, especially when they're giving those those young guys run. I, I I definitely I definitely think they'll be continuing to rest until you know they really get to their goal, which is the finals. But we'll see all this and more. We've hit our limit here. And what I want to talk about next time, 
we'll, we'll, we'll come back and nominate our, our fake ballots. I want to know who we think the all NBA candidates are who well, we won't go back and uh, endorse our previous takes because a lot of those are bad. Uh, we won't talk about Obi Toppin's uh, Rookie of the Year campaign at all. But let's talk about the the winners of this regular season who really showed out. Um, and we'll be talking about that hopefully later on this week. But this has been fun, man. I'm so excited for these playoffs. This, this is Last year's playoffs are awesome. And, and this year's playoffs, man, there's so many intersecting storylines, so many um, teams really turning their franchises around a lot of new stars, a lot of new faces. And this is, I think this is going to be one for the books. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll kicks off Tuesday. The Eastern conference playing starts, starts then. So Tuesday night is when it all begins, but forget them. The Knicks are going all the way. Let's do it. All right. We'll just edit that. <laughs> See you later. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment